are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas, Noyach, Tov, Shin, Pei, Gimel. An incredibly warm welcome to our entire radio family. Thank you so, so much for taking the time and the effort to join us and be part of, of our show. It's such a privilege for me to be able to spend some time with you every Erev Shabbos, to talk about matters that are so important, talk about matters of our Pasha, talk about matters of Halach, of Hilchas, Hilchas Shabbos, things that make Shabbos so beautiful and so poignant and so and so meaningful, and certainly as we are approaching the Shabbos project, it's all the more important for us to really, really become sensitive, become aware, and become more attuned to what are the things that we are and aren't allowed to do on, on Shabbos. But let's start with the Pasha. The Pasuket says, After the flood, Hashem says to Nayach, This is the sign of the covenant that I have confirmed between me and between all the flesh that's upon the earth. This further comments that the rainbow, which is what this is referring to, is a sign for the righteous Jews, for the tzaddikim, to commence davening for the entire generation. The mere fact that the rainbow appears is a heavenly message that something is amiss. The people have subverted their spiritual dimension with punishment being the heavenly response, unless the righteous daven for heavenly rachim, for heavenly mercy. The rainbow is the sign of the covenant which HaKadosh Baruch Hu made with mankind. It's incumbent upon you, Nayach, and those like you, to kind of bestir yourselves when you see it. Why? To rouse the people to do tshuva, and understand that they must better themselves. End quote of this farna. The rainbow is, is a divine message, a wake-up call of such, to get our spiritual demeanor in shape. The Gemara Ksuvis on Daf Ayin Zayin relates an exchange between Rav Shimon Bayochai and Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. Rabbi Shimon asked Rabbi Yeshua whether the rainbow had ever appeared in his generation. When he implied in the affirmative, Rabbi Shimon questioned his righteousness. For a truly great tzaddik protects his generation so that the message of the rainbow would not be necessary. Hashem sends messages all the time, but unless people are listening, the messages fall on deaf years. It's up to those who are not spiritually sort of hard of hearing to hear HaKadosh Baruch Hu's wake-up calls and daven for themselves and for those who unfortunately are unable to hear the call the call of Hashem. The altar from Kelm writes concerning about Rav Chaim Moshe Litzatle, the Ramchal, author of the very, very uh, uh, famous Sefer, Mesilas Yisharim, that he listened to the words of the Navi. The Navi says, Consider how you are doing, how are you faring, says the Navi Chagai. The Navi was warning the nation to wake up and return to Hashem. The Ramchal listened and did something about it. Does anyone have an idea how many lives have been impacted by the Ramchal? How often are we aroused to perform a mitzvah to, to undertake 
an important endeavor on behalf of the, the greater community, only to ignore the, the voice. If we listened to our messages as seriously as we do to the messages on our phone, Kaddish Baruch Hu is sending us messages, giving us opportunities to grow, to do great things all the time. All we have to do is be tuned in to the right frequency. This is 11.9. Chai FM, the program is soul to soul. We'll be back in a moment. There's so much more to talk about. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Nayak, Tov, Shin, Pei, Gimel, as we talk a little bit about the concept of this week's Pasha, the Teva. The Teva, which is something that's so important in our lives, because we need to construct for ourselves a Teva. We need to construct for ourselves some kind of structure that's going to protect us from the crazy and wild world that we, we live in. So let's talk a little bit about the dimensions of the Teva and see maybe if we could learn something. So the Torah tells us in detail about the dimensions of the Teva. Of the teva. Tzaya Tassara Teva. You have to make a source of light, which Rashi says either was a precious stone or a window. You have to make the, the roof of the Teva slanted so that it reaches a point where at the top is only one Amma of vertical, sorry, of horizontal space. The door of the Teva should be on the side of the Teva so that the rain shouldn't put too much pressure on it. Tachtim Shnim Ushlishim Tasya. And the table has to be made in three different layers. A top level, a middle level, and a bottom level. The Gemara in Sanhedrin on Daf Kufches says that the bottom level was used for all the rubbish, all the refuse. The middle level were for the animals. And the top level was for the eight human beings who were on, on the table. And Rashi brings there that there were three levels, one on top of the other. Top for man, middle for, uh, was the area of the animal for the uh, stables for the animals, and the bottom was for, for rubbish. Now, there's difficulty over here. We have to understand, why do we have to have a whole floor specially set aside for holding all the rubbish? Why couldn't they just throw the rubbish out of the table. Everyone agrees there was a window, right? Those who say that Tsayar is a window, there was a window in the table. And even according to Rabbi Yochanan, who says that the word Tsayar doesn't mean a window, but it means a precious, that Akadosh Baruch Hu uh, 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 made this precious stone to give to give light. And Akadosh Baruch Hu told Noyach, Put these precious stones in the teva and and the diamonds so that they would be able to give you give you a light, as Gemara says. But nevertheless, we have to say that there still must have been a window in the teva because it says later on that Noach sent out the raven and then later on the dove from the window. As it says, by it was at the end of 40 days, by Yiftach Noyach Eschaloin Ateva Shehosa. Noyach opened the window of the Teva, which he made. Right? And, and in fact, the Gemara Zvachim on Daf Kofbyu says that the, uh, the Ra'im, this huge animal, put its head and its nose into the Teva. So we see that there was obviously some kind of window in in the in in the table, and besides that, there surely had to be some other uh, uh, breathing holes, right? Because uh, uh, if if the if this Ra'im was was uh, uh, was outside and and had his head in the table, so they needed to be able to feed the animals. So clearly, there were windows. How come they didn't use that for uh, getting rid of? All the, all the refuse. 
Right? And why do you need to have a whole special floor just to hold the the uh, the rubbish? It would have been much easier to build a teva with two floors, or perhaps three floors, and you could have uh, 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 two whole floors for the for the animals. That would make it a lot lot more more comfortable. Right now, besides uh, that, all that wasted space that they needed for the rubbish, but still, these all this rubbish must have oh, it must have been quite a stench in 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 the in the table. And for that reason alone, <laughs> enough that in itself should have been a motivation for throwing the rubbish out, as as in fact the the uh, the the tashbits. Uh, uh, brings, brings, uh, brings down, says, we say in the Gemara and Brochus on Dafyud that Chiskyo had at his behest a, a, a safer of all the different medications, of, of ways to, to medicate and cure any disease that, that existed. And Chiskyo went and hid it away. And, and, and the Chacham agreed with his, with his decision. And obviously the question is, where did he even get such a safer from? So your answer is that when Nayach was in the Teva, so most, this is what he said, most of them got sick because of the stench that was in the Teva until a certain Malach came and he took one of Nayach's sons and brought him to Gan Eden and taught him <coughs> all <coughs> all the medical knowledge in in the world, and those different remedies were actually written down in in, in a sefer, and that's called the sefer rufus. That's what the Tashbet says, and therefore we can understand that the, if there was this terrible, terrible stench in in the, in the teva until everyone became sick because of the, 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 the rotten air. So that strengthens our question. Why, in fact, didn't they just throw all the rubbish overboard? That's one question. Another question is, how could Nayach have brought so much food into the table that would have been sufficient to feed all the animals in the world that were in the table for an entire 12 months, for an entire year. And, and that, that, I would not even find that there was place set aside. I mean, that alone would require an extra story of the, of the Teva just to hold all the fruit. And furthermore, how could he, uh, uh, keep these, these, this food that it didn't go completely fraught over the course of, of 12, 12 months? And if you're going to have to say that this, in fact, could only have happened because of a miracle, but maybe we can try to explain a little bit in a, in a more natural way, because because as 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 well as we know that wherever we can somehow take something and say that it wasn't so miraculous, we can explain it in a way that somehow brings it a little bit closer. To our our intellect, that's that's even better. And therefore, perhaps we can say, based on what's brought in Rashi, Rashi brings in Peretes that when uh, when uh, when Noach went into the Teva, he brought with him vines and figs. That's what the Gemara the Gemara says. And the Maral brings down in, in Gur Aryeh, he says, why do you bring with him uh, uh, vines? Because if not, where was he going to be able? We know that after he came out of the Teva, he went and planted a vineyard. See, and there was no vegetation left. He must have had those vines with him in the Teva. And how do we know that in fact he also had uh, uh, fig branches with him? Because Chazal tell us that Noach was criticized. Why was it that when he came out of the Teva, the first thing he planted was a vine? 
you should have planted something else. <laughs> what else could he, if he had planted, if all he had with him was vines, what else could he have planted? So therefore it must be that he had an alternative to a vine. He also had some fig branches and that he could have, he could have uh, 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 planted. So some want to argue that the reason Noach brought specifically those two types of fruits is because he was worried that those that uh, grapes and and figs are the first thing that get messed up by by water, and therefore he was worried that after the flood those wouldn't be available. But that seems very difficult because we know everything was destroyed in the flood. There was absolutely nothing left, and therefore the logical conclusion for us is that he brought those onto the table, a so that it would be human food, human consumption during the 12 months that were there, and also that he'd be able to start the world off and plant something afterwards after the table is over. We're going to develop this a bit further after our little break. This is 101.9 Chai FM. Please stay with us. We're just getting warmed up. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM sold the song back on your radio air of Shabbos Kodesh. Pashas Neach, Tav Shin Pegim. We are dealing with a perplexing quandary. We're talking about the Teva. And we're told that there were three floors on, on the Teva. Three stories. The top one for, for Neach and his family. The middle one for all the animals. And the bottom one was for all the rubbish. And we asked, why did they have to? keep all the rubbish on the table. There, there had to have been a window, as we proved. Why didn't they just chuck all the rubbish out the window? And we bought a medrash that says that all the animals became ill because of the stench that was from all that rubbish to the point where they had to uh, fly out. <laughs> a malach had to take out one of my sons and train him in all sorts of medical remedies and so that the animals would, would survive. So why even have all the rubbish there. Secondly, where did they keep all the food for all those animals? And especially for Adamarisha. Adamarisha must put trees into the into the into the table so that he would have what to eat and would have what to plant for the next year. Where was that all kept? Why wasn't there a a, a special area, a perhaps a story uh, in itself for all of the all of the food? That's certainly a a important important question. So we're going to see that we needed actually all of that. So perhaps we could say as follows that Nayach brought all the different kind of trees and all the grasses into the Teva, not only because he wanted to plant trees after the Mabel, but there was a tremendous, tremendous need for all of those during the year of the marble. Why? Because we know that Nayach planted them, where did he plant them? In the Teva, so that they should grow and they should produce fruits and vegetables and grain that from that, uh, uh, Nayach and his family would be able to be sustained. Not only Nayach and his family, also all the animals for that, for that entire year. And therefore, where did he plant them? He planted those trees on, in the bottom story. And he used all that rubbish as fertilizer in order to act as a soil and, and, and a growing agent for all of those trees in that day, in, so that they'd be able to produce all, all, all the fruits and, and the vegetables for, for all the animals and, and the humans. And perhaps you can even bring a support for this based on what it says in, in the uh, Sefer Be'er, Be'er HaSadeh, from uh, Rabbi Meir Binyamin uh, Danun, he says in, in this week's, in this week's Pasha, that the top level, you know, was for the human beings, right? And, you know, it was, it was only eight of them. I mean, how, how spacious a place do they need? So it was fundamentally, Basically, for, for, for the people. 
Because the Gemara says in, in, the, in the last part of, of Sanhedrin that since it says by Yishalaches Hayoyna Me'itoi, he sent it from him. So we see from there that the birds, the, the kosher animals, also lived on the top story together with, with Adon. The Mashal also brings this down in, in the Chedusha, in the Chedusha Agadus, and that the, uh, the bottom level was for the rubbish. That was no, it was basically for, for the rubbish. But also on that bottom level was other kinds of foods. Because if you're not going to say that, it becomes very, very difficult. Why did they have so many different compartments on the bottom level? How many, so many different rooms on, in the middle level? We understand there have to be different rooms, different compartments for all the animals. But why do they need a kingdom tase sateva where there had to be compartments also on, on the bottom? But the truth was that on the bottom floor was also divided. Yes, there was a lot of areas that was just a rubbish heap, but there was also a place for the growing of food, where the trees were being grown and, and, the, and the rubbish was being used then as the, 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 uh, the, fer- the fertilizer. Now, the question is, why did they put the food together with the rubbish? Right? We obviously understand that, that the, the very putrid smell of, of, of the rubbish, that itself could, could ruin the foods. But as we say, if we're saying that the whole way of the whole way of, of creating and producing food in the Teva was on that bottom level that they used all that rubbish as the fertilizer, as, as the catalyst for the growth of, of the, of those trees and it produced all the fruits and vegetables that they needed in, in the, in, in the table. Now we can perhaps with this also understand what in fact it was that the, what did the women do for the 12 months in, in the table? The Alka Ruveni brings down in, in the name of the Sadaraza that Noyach and his sons they kind of divided up the work between them, that each one was in charge of, of sustaining and feeding one portion of, of the animals. And, and Noyach was in charge of the wild animals, and, and uh, Shem was in charge of the domestic animals, Chum was in charge of the birds, and Yefes was in charge of all the snakes. As it says that now, okay, so that's what kept all the men busy. What did the women do? Remember, there was Nayak's wife and Shem, Chum, Nefes, all had had wives. There were no, there were no children. But uh, but uh, what what did the women? What did the women do? So based on what we're saying, we can say that they were the farmers. They were the people involved in preparing it, in, in cultivating all of that of that food. That, uh, when, when, you know, when things grew, they, they brought the wheat and the, and the barley, etc. They were the ones that prepared the, the meals. And not only meals, but the, they prepared the, the food source, the trees and stuff like that. And they should be able to be eaten by Nayach and all of the, all of the animals. Perhaps we can go even one step further and, uh, and understand what it says in the, in the Talmud, in the Talmud Yerushalmi, that uh, he also has a question. According to the one that says that the Tsohar was in fact a, a window, and that window was closed, and it says at the end of the marble that Noyach opened that window that he had made, right? So, uh, where did they, where was the, the drain, I mean, the how did they get rid of? Where was the exhaust? How, how did they get rid of all that terrible, terrible putrid air? A person can can die, you know. If if you're in a, if you're in a closed box, there was all carbon monoxide in in the in in the table. There's no place for it to go and be replenished with fresh with fresh oxygen. Then how would they survive? And and that's a very very uh, 
a difficult according to one that says that that the the tzaya was a a fine stone which gave light and was as bright as 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 daytime. So then that the place where that precious stone was was also closed, and and even the window that Nayach later opened obviously until then was was closed. So the, the obvious question was, how did they survive? In that table, since there was no fresh oxygen uh, being allowed, being allowed in, so perhaps we could say that that uh, uh, that since that there are all these wild animals that they absorbed all the poison air that all the carbon monoxide that came out of all the other people and the animals. So that's how they managed to survive, even though there was no place, there was no exhaust for all that carbon dioxide to go out, right? But it, it, it has, it, it is written that when, it says when Alexander Mukden went down to the depth of the sea, so he also, he made a teva out of glass sealed in such a way that water would not be able to penetrate into the structure of that teva. And he stayed there. And he placed in that teva with him a, a rooster in order to know what, what time it was. And he, play, he had a, a cat, because a cat, according to the tradition, he was able to absorb all the carbon monoxide in all that, in order that uh, Alexander would be able to survive and breathe, and he also had a dog, and the purpose of the dog was so that when he reached the very bottom of the sea, he would kill the dog, attach it to the ship, and since the way of the sea is that after three days it rejects all carcasses and sends them up to the surface, so that would then, after three days, pull the whole teva. Up to the up to the surface. The truth is, if what we're saying is is true, we don't even need this because it's well known that it's natural for for trees that trees absorb all the all the carbon monoxide that 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 humans ex- exhale. And since, as we know, that uh, uh, Nayah planted hundreds or, or thousands of different kinds of of trees. So they kind of absorbed all of the carbon carbon monoxide and through their forests and you know, and therefore everyone else was able to live in in the uh, in in the table. Now we've discussed before a concept that classically is called Ashan. Ashan stands for Olam Shana Nefesh. Every single person has a particular moment where he fully exists and a place where he fully exists. And during that time, when a person gets to that particular moment in his life, which is the, the prime moment of, of his personal life, and whatever he does at that time will be incredibly, incredibly successful. And during that time, he can actually be and he can fix up anything that he messed up during the rest of his life. So too, there's a particular place in the world that is the, the, the center point of that person's neshama, and when a person comes to that place, he can be very, very successful. And, and the truth is that the, this concept of oilam, shana, and, and nefesh, are actually all connected to each other, and that every single person has a particular connection to each one of these things. We have a particular time in our life that's that's incredibly auspicious, and and a particular place in our lives that is incredibly auspicious. In other words, every single person has an intimate connection to every single thing that exists in the world. We have within us the properties of every animal in the world, of every mineral in the world, of every type 
of object that exists in the world is contained in microcosm in every human being. And when we develop ourselves, when we improve ourselves, when we use our neshama to direct us in the direction of aliyah, of sustained growth, of coming closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what actually happens is we uh, raise the entire world with us. All those things that are connected to us are then elevated because of what what we've done. And that's what the Gemara in Sanhedrin means. Every single person is Chayav Lema has to say, Bishvili Nivra The world was created for me because for every single thing that exists in the world, there is a person who is going to affect the entire microcosm of creation by his by his behavior, because they're, they're literally linked into the person and his actions. And that can be both a positive thing and, God forbid, a, a, a negative thing. And therefore, when the generation of the Mabal, the flood, completely, completely corrupted their actions, so that created a situation where not only were they corrupted, they brought down and they brought corruption to the entire world. In fact, as the past success, the land itself was was considered, was decrepit in front of Hashem. Even the land was filled with, with corruption. And in fact, the Medrash brings that not only did people and the animals or not only were they uh, 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 were they involved in mating with other other species, but even the earth itself also was was uh, so to speak promiscuous. That when you planted wheat, it actually would grow something something else, right? And th- therefore, <laughs> it seems amazing. We know that. Every single person has free choice. And that free choice was only given to human beings. Animals, the ground, they don't have any, any, any free choice. And therefore, whatever we plant in, in, in the ground is, that's what's going to, what's going to grow. How is it possible that the earth and all the living animals would do Averis. They, they, they live by instinct. They live by the command of God. How can they do their own thing? Based on what we're saying above, it's possible to understand because the people of that generation, they sinned to such an extent until they caused that everything that was connected to them and each one of them is connected to the actual Bria itself, to every element in in the in the in the Korea in the in the entire Bria, all of it was absolutely corrupted, and therefore the whole world lost its way. The whole world was completely devoid of any sense of any normalcy of any of any positive direction. This then, of course, completely contrasts with Naya Hatzadik, because Naya Hatzadik remained in his absolute sublime state of perfect Kedusha. And therefore, the entire Bria, the entire creation, which is uh, from the very root of his Neshama and connected to him, also did not do an Avera. And therefore, there were all kinds of domestic animals and wild animals and birds. There was always at least one pair of animals who had not corrupted themselves at all. Why? Because that was the portion of the Bria that was actually connected to Noyach's Neshama. And, and the same thing, even the trees, of all the trees and all the flowers and all the grasses, etc., there was some of them that the the generation of the Flood could not have corrupted because they were in fact connected to Nayak, who was in a state of complete, complete 
Kedusha. Right? And, uh, and therefore, and therefore they did not do any, any Avera. And they were all the living things, all the living beings that actually went into the, into the table. And with this, perhaps we can understand what the Gemara says in Sanhedrin and Ches. It's where it says, it says, Ubasala Teva, you will come to the Teva, Ata you, Ubanecha, and your sons, the Ishtcha, and your wife, Unesheva Necha, and the wives of your children, Itach, with you. That's when they went in. So in the order when they went in was, Nayach, his sons, his wife, his children's wives. When they came out of the Teva, it says, Tsemna Teva, go out of the Teva, Ata, you ve'ishtacha, and your wife, ubanecha, and your sons, unashebanecha, and their wives, itach. And Rabbi Yochanan says, we see all living beings were restricted from being intimate in, in the, uh, in the table. And the Gemara says that there were three who broke the rule and were intimate. First one was Chum, Nayachsan, the dog and the raven. And based on what we're saying, it makes perfect sense. Because if Ham destroyed himself by breaking the rules, then those, that part of the Bria, which could have been the dog and the raven that were connected to him, also invariably were messed up and, and, and broke the rules. There's so much more to say about the Teva. I hope this has been a little bit enlightening for you, but we're going to move on and go back to discussing our Hilchas Shabbos context. This is 11.9, Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul. Please stay with us. There's still lots more coming. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kedish, Pashas Nayach, Tov Shin Pei Gimel, as we get ready for another amazing, amazing Shabbos Kodesh, Baruch Hashem, kind of getting back into a routine after, after Yontif, but, you know, routine won't last too long because we have what, anyway, about uh, six weeks left till December holidays, but let's enjoy it while, while we have it, <coughs> as we always do at this point on the show, just to go through the important details that we need to know for this coming, coming Shabbos. So this afternoon, the earliest time for lighting your Shabbos candles is five o'clock. Five o'clock on the button is the goal, our deadline. No, not our deadline, but our, our goal to try to aim to let's see if we can get Shabbos ready by that time in order to really start our Shabbos early. Remember, some of us have probably have load shedding schedules that might sort of interfere with us being able to heat our food before Shabbos or keep it warm as, uh, as, as, as the story may, may go. But if we do it with a positivity and with a simcha and the anticipation of, of Shabbos, every situation can be handled and, and not only handled, but, but dealt with in, in a beautiful, positive way that will end up actually looking back and saying, wow, that was actually a wonderful thing. So if you can make Shabbos ready at five o'clock, that is super. Have all the food getting hot and, and get dressed and, and accept Shabbos and bring the beautiful, beautiful atmosphere of Shabbos into our homes as quickly as, as possible. The latest time for Benching Lick for lighting Shabbos candles tomorrow night is 6.04. Four minutes past six is the latest time. That means you really got to make sure that everything is ready by by then. We're getting Baruch Hashem. Friday is getting longer. There's more and more time to do things. Yes, and I do know that somehow with the expanding time, somehow everything seems to take longer or there's more to do. Suddenly, we don't seem to have any more time when Shabbos gets a bit later than when it's early, although we theoretically should have have more time and Friday should become a little bit more uh, relaxed than there might be in sort of the winter Fridays. But 6.04 is the latest, latest time, which means that Shkia sunset is at 22 minutes past six. That's, as we always say, that is absolute 
injury time, if you're really, really in a crisis situation and you need those 18 minutes, you can go all the way until nearly, nearly shkir. Obviously, that's not something to rely on. We need to really see it as our absolute deadline is 604 and make sure that everything is ready, all the foods on the, on the hot tray and you are where you want to be, not be driving wherever at that time. Get it all, get it all to, together. If you want to be able to, uh, daven myrav and not have to repeat the, the Kriyashma. So then one has to, one has to wait until 6.40, 20 to 7. If you daven myrav after 20 to 7, then it already is at night and you can daven myrav and then sit down with your family and loved ones and really have a beautiful, beautiful Friday night meal together. As I always say, with the great food and some good company and some wonderful zamiros and uh, and divertora, and make it a beautiful, beautiful, relaxed kind of kind of evening as we mellow down into the beautiful, beautiful atmosphere of 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 Shabbos. Tomorrow, of course, we're reading Pasha's Noach, which is uh, quite a dramatic Pasha about the destruction, virtually, of the entire of the entire world and how Noach was the one person who was deserving of, of being, of being saved. We read the whole, the whole Pasha there and the, the Haftarah that's appropriate for Pasha's Noach is the two, uh, Haftarahs in Yeshaya Nun Dalid that we read actually earlier. We read during Chodesh El as the, as part of the seven special Haftarahs of comfort. We'll read them again this week. Uh, Ran Yakara and Anya Anya Sayara. We'll read, we'll read those those Haftarahs for those who who still observe the Bahab, the special prayers, and some even the fast day of Mon- a Monday, Thursday, Monday after after Pesach and Sukkot. So that would begin uh, this coming Monday, and we would announce it in Shul on uh, Shabbos morning before we put. The, the Sefer Torah, uh, away. Shabbos continues. By the way, of course, there's a special Zemira, one of the Zemiras of, of, uh, the, the Shabbos day meal that is especially devoted and dedicated to this week's parsha. Yaina Matza Abba Monayach, the, the dove found rest and, uh, Kasha Nishpat. I mean, it's all about this week's parsha. So make a point of perhaps of singing it at your Shabbos day meal. Shabbos is getting longer. Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at 5 to 7, 6, 50, 55. It's getting, jumping. It's getting, getting later very, very quickly at the, at, at, at the moment. Enjoy, enjoy the long day. There's plenty of time to do so many wonderful things to have a, have a bit of a schlaf maybe and, and learn something and go for a walk and, and socialize. Can do it, can do it all on a lovely, on a long, on a long, uh, a Friday. And then we go into another beautiful, beautiful week. We are learning the principles of the malachas of, of Shabbos. As you know, we've been again through all the positives of Shabbos, through lighting candles and Kiddush and the meals and Havdalam, Lav Malka. And now we're doing the background of the 39 malachas of, of, of Shabbos and we know that whenever a person intentionally uh, 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 does something, and, and what he actually intended to do was something that was not forbidden on Shabbos, but at the time that he's actually doing it, it's possible that as a result of his actions, something forbidden might happen, but he has no intention to actually carry out that forbidden activity. That's not his modus, his motive in doing it. And also, there's a possibility that that malacha might happen, but it's by no means a certainty. So he is allowed to do that permitted activity on, on Shabbos and doesn't even have to worry that maybe that other forbidden activity might, might happen. Therefore, the classic example is given. A person is allowed to drag on Shabbos a bed or a bench on on the outside ground, 
ground, even though it's, there is quite a chance that the, the feet of the, of the bed or the, or the bench will actually make a groove in, in the ground, which is a kind of a, a malocha under the category of, of plowing. But again, since you never intended to make that, that at furrow, and also there's no certainty that the dragging of that item on the ground is going to necessarily make such a groove, you're allowed to do it. And let's say, uh, another example, you're allowed to walk on the grass in a situation where there is a possibility that your walking on that grass might cause that some of the grass gets gets ripped out. And again, that's because you have no intention of pulling out the grass. And, and there's also no no certainty that by your walking, the grass is going to come out. So that you're allowed to do. This this principle is called Dabar She'ena Miskaven, something which you never intended to do. But if, although what you're doing is permitted, you're allowed to drag it on the table, but if you know for a certainty that something is going to happen, that the the uh, the forbidden activity is going to uh, result, in other words, you know for sure that this bench is so heavy, it's certainly going to make a groove in the ground, then you're not allowed to drag that bench. Similarly, if it's absolutely clear, clear to you that walking on the grass is going to cause grass to be uprooted, then you're not allowed to, to walk there. Because so long as something is absolutely certain that it's going to, to happen, uh, even though what you're doing is a permitted ac- ac- activity, but if there's a certain result which is going to be something forbidden, so then you're not allowed to claim, well, I never intended to do that, that activity. The halacha is, it's as if you did the forbidden action in, uh, in, uh, in, in, intentionally, right? It's, it's almost as if, it's almost as if you were uh, interested in having the forbidden result, uh, 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 happen, which is, of course, is, a, a Torah, Torah prohibition in, in its own, in its own right. Okay, we're going to come back with some last comments after this little break. This is 11.9, Chai FM. The program is, as you know, soul to soul, and this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM, soul to soul, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kedish, Pasha Snach. We are talking about the concept of a Dover She'enam Skaven, something that you never intended to do something for. Ben you did something that is actually permitted, but if the result of your action is going to be something that is definitely forbidden on Shabbos, we said you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to do that. Similarly, the Gemara says that it's Forbidden for a person, let's say, to close the door of his house, where let's say there's an animal that's going to be trapped in that house. And you can't claim, well, my whole intention was just to close the door, right? And I had no intention at all to trap this, uh, this deer, the, the Mars example is. And then the answer is no. Since it's absolutely clear that by him closing the door, he's going to trap the deer, it's as if he intended to trap that that deer, and it's like almost comparable to let's say someone who, uh, as we said, who cuts off the head of a chicken because the, his child wants a a cricket a cricket ball on on Shabbos and claims, no, I never intended to kill the 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 chicken. I just wanted to cut off its head so I could have a a cricket ball. So obviously we understand that what he's what he's saying has no has no credence at all because it's obviously clear that if you cut off the head of of a chicken, right, whether you want to kill it or or not, it's going to it's going to die, and therefore that is a Torah uh, a prohibition. 
and and based on on this example, this principle got its name in the Gemara, and it's called psik reishavalayamus. Can you cut off the head of a chicken, and it's not going to it's not going to die? Now these principles are, are not only uh, uh, unique to the laws of of Shabbos; they actually apply to any forbidden area of the. Uh, of, of the Torah, that any time I do something where I did not intend to do something forbidden, so generally in a situation where the result is not uh, uh, is not inevitable, then you're allowed to do it. The moment the, the forbidden result uh, becomes inevitable, even though you never intended to do it, that activity becomes becomes a, a, a forbidden, and it's considered as if you actually intended <coughs> to do that forbidden activity on 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 Shabbos. So we're going to actually stop here. It's very uh, uh, bewitching hour time to get out of the way, so that uh, the program can go on, and the, the news and and other wonderful things that we have in store on on our Arab Shabbos afternoon. But I do want to take the opportunity of thanking all of you for joining us this week and every week. It, it means so much to me that the people who are prepared to take some time out of their very, very busy Fridays and put on their radio, put on their device, wherever you might be in the in in, in the world, uh, you know, whichever hemisphere or whatever uh, whatever the vertical line is there on the side of the world. And it, it, it's just so, so gratifying. To me, that there are people that, that want to grow and want to learn and want to hear what we have to say. So I'm just going to take the opportunity of wishing each and every one of you a beautiful, beautiful, warm and inspired and, and lovely Shabbos together with your family and, and friends. And of course, in your shul and being, being inspired by, by the Pasha, maybe some inspirational words from, from the Rav or one of the other people in shul that will kind of buoy you, that will, that will encourage you and, and, and motivate you to, to make this week probably the best week you've ever had in your life until this point. To each and every one of our radio family, a Geschmack, good chaps.